are listening to the Just Means Less ACC podcast. Today, I am your host, Dan, from ACC Content. Micah from Fifth Quarter ACC will not be joining us today. He will he is out traveling the country, but he will be back this week for the Syracuse pod. But today, we are joined by a special guest in uh, Jordan Klein from the Pitt Presence. Jordan, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit, bit about what you got going on. Yeah, Dan. So just thanks for having me on this week. So I'm Jordan. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Pitt underscore presence and just check out check out the Panthers presence podcast. Um, I've been having some former Pitt, Pitt athletes, Pitt greats on the podcast. So I hope you can go check it out. Yeah. Um, so I'll give my man Jordan Klein a follow. What are you at Pitt underscore presence? Yep. All right. So um, today we will be talking about the we will be previewing the pit football season for 2020. Um, so without further ado, let's get into it. I look at 2019, eight and five, four and four in conference. Um, all in all, kind of what I expected. I look at it kind of like similar to the Miami season where the games were kind of fluky. You know, there were a low amount of explosive plays on offense. They didn't give up a lot of explosive plays um, on in the red zone efficiencies on both sides of the ball were not good or were low. So um, that leads to low scoring games. And, you know, when Kessman isn't putting the ball through the posts, cite Penn State as an example, or, you know, Narduzzi gets too conservative, you're not going to come up with them. Um, but, you know, I'm pretty high on this pit team going into 2020, really have high expectations. I think the offense is a small step forward in year two under Whipple, but I really think that the defense is going to be the one taking over games, you know, with that pass rushing, which is elite, and that elite secondary. Um, and I believe they led the country in sacks after the regular season before, you know, Ohio State had a couple extra games to take over that mark. But um, Jordan, kind of tell me a little bit about your um, thoughts, you know, looking out at 2019 and looking in at 2020. Um, yeah, I think 2019, uh, Pitt showed a lot of flashes of potentially taking that next step as a team. But the 2019 season, in my opinion, left a lot to be desired with this Pitt team. Uh, starting on the defensive side of the ball, finally, in what was Pat Narduzzi's fifth year, you finally have the defense, that elite defense that everyone has been talking about Pitt potentially getting for so long. And the defense was unbelievable. Like you said, uh, one of the leaders in the country in sacks. Um, in my opinion, just a top 10 defense overall in the country. You've got NFL draft picks all over that defense. Um, but, the, but the question mark last season, which was really what held Pitt back, was the offense, and that left a lot to be desired, in my opinion. Uh, you had an offense. You had a talented offense in year one under Mark Whipple, but you had a lot of mistakes that could be fixed, such as turnovers, drops, penalties, and all those things. They let the Pitt losing some games they could have won, and overall, those those fixable mistakes, those drops, those those on those unforced errors, as, like, as, as some people like to say, penalties, just those mistakes that Pitt could really clean up for this season and potentially take the next step. But last season with those things left a lot to be desired from this Pitt team. Yeah, completely agree. And, you know, if they could, you know, just fix a little bit, their defense will come a long way. Hopefully their offense takes that next step up. And, you know, we're looking at a you know, much better Pitt team for this year. You know, they could – go from that seven-win mark to what I have is actually nine wins this year. So I'm very high on that 
Pitt team this year. Let's kind of break down the offense a little bit, then we'll get to that defense. Um, everything, of course, starts with a quarterback position, and Pitt will be returning Kenny Pickett, who is now in his third full year as a starter, even had starts in his freshman year. So, um, you know, hopefully he finally takes that next step forward. Um, but, Jordan, why don't you tell me a little bit about what are your feelings on Kenny Pickett? Do you think that he could finally, you know, take that step and become, you know, one of the better quarterbacks in the conference? Do you think he kind of is what he is? Tell me a little bit about what are your feelings overall on Kenny Pickett? I mean, look, as a Pitt fan, I'm, I'm a bit biased towards Kenny Pickett, but overall I like, I like Kenny Pickett. I, I think from a, from a talent standpoint, from a pure football talent standpoint, he is what he is at this point. Uh, he's a decent, decent athlete, pretty good athlete. Um, struggles sometimes with deep throws is often inconsistent on his accuracy on some of those mid-tier throws but with Kenny Pickett there's a lot to like there there's his his toughness his moxie his ability to extend plays with his legs are all traits that uh that are very important in uh, quality quarterbacks in college football his ability to make that late game drive to put Pitt ahead and win the game but those are things that I do like in Kenny Pickett but overall I think I think Kenny Pickett pretty much is what he is at this point. Uh, in year two under Mark Whipple, he could step up in some areas, such as those interceptions. I believe he threw, I believe it was nine interceptions last year, which is a number that's too high. If Pitt wants to have a really good offense, it's a number that he should try and bring down. I think some of those mental errors he could clean up in year year two under Whipple, potentially uh, better connections with these with these receivers as he's continuing to build chemistry uh, with these receivers who've got a veteran receiving core coming back. Uh, you should have an improved running game. And that, those should all help Kenny Pickett. But overall, from a physical standpoint, Kenny Pickett is what he is. He is limited. He's a bit limited from an arm talent standpoint. But overall, a solid athlete who has a lot of winning traits, his moxie, his toughness, like I mentioned. And Kenny Pickett, while he might not be the greatest quarterback in the ACC, he might not be an elite athlete with elite arm talent. He, ha he, does, have gr he does have quality traits that could lead Pitt to win a lot of games this season. Yeah, and I don't even think that he needs to really carry the team. I think he just needs to not be a liability and just allow the defense to take over games, you know, put up enough points. I think 20, 23 points could be enough with this defense, which we'll get to in a second. But, you know, with the rest of the offense, you have at the running back position, A.J. Davis. You also have Israel Abanacanda, which we'll talk about a little more with recruiting. But, you know, he's the true freshman that will kind of be you know trying to fight for that spot but I really think that they have a solid receiving core I'm a big tastier Mac guy I'm gonna be real with you I wasn't that much into Maurice French I actually thought that they could have used utilized him a little bit better but you know tastier Mac is gonna definitely be a very solid number one receiver to go along with Shockey Jock Louie and Jared Wayne I also like Lucas Cruel, the tight end, you know, he backed up Kyle Pitts at Florida, now transferring over from there, and he could be a key piece. I actually saw a mock draft with him, you know, I believe as a fifth or a sixth round pick. So, you know, the receiving core for Kenny Pickett, you know, could be a little bit better. Hopefully the drops, you know, they take care of that in that department, but I definitely think they have some solid athletes on that side of the ball. Yeah, uh, I agree with you there. I mean, all those areas, those skill position areas, that running back, wide receiver, tight end areas, the weapons, 
the weapons around Kenny Pickett. Those areas should all be a step forward. Um, starting with the running back room, where you return all those guys from last year. You've got A.J. Davis with leading rusher. Vincent Davis, that was a true freshman last year, showed flashes. Uh, Todd Sibley was decent last year, struggled with some injuries. And obviously, you had the newcomer, uh, Izzy Abanacanda. And that should overall make for a solid running back room this year. But I think what you're looking for is for someone to really step forward and uh, grasp that lead back role. Uh, as we saw last year, Mark Whipple does like to use multiple running backs. But I think one guy, whether that's A.J. Davis, Vincent Davis, Sibley, or the true freshman Izzy, uh, needs to step up and uh, take that number one spot in the running back room. Um, and in terms of those returning guys, I mean, those guys have been all right. Uh, A.J. Davis pretty much is what he is at this point. He's average, good, good pass catcher, uh, decent runner, uh, leaves, leaves a lot to be desired in terms of making those big splash plays. Uh, Vincent Davis, I think you could see take a step forward. Uh, he's a little guy. He's, I believe he's 5'8", 170, very small, very undersized for an ACC back, but he is very quick. Uh, he's very good in some of the spot situations, whether it's a wildcat, uh, a, a running back draw. But I, I, I personally don't see him as your workhorse back who could get 20 to 25 carries a game in the ACC. I think he's very good in those spot situations. But I, I don't see him as that workhorse back. Uh, and then Sibley struggled with injuries. He, he showed some flashes. But I think the guy who's really going to take over that running back room is going to be the true freshman, uh, Izzy. Abanacanda. Uh, the staff was really high on this kid uh, coming in. Uh, very good speed. He's track runner, uh, track-like speed, um, and very solid hands uh, out of the backfield, which is something Mark Whipple looks for in running backs. And with the speed and his pass-catching ability, he should fit very well in that Mark Whipple offense. And I think he'll take he'll take the he'll take the lead, he'll he'll end up becoming the lead back uh, in this pit offense. Yeah. Um. Yes. Definitely a highly touted recruit, um, one of the best in that pit class, which we'll, you know, we'll dig into that a little bit later. Um, of course, before we conclude the offense, talk a little bit about the line. I think they're built very well in that interior with Jimmy Morrissey and Bryce Hargrove. I worry a little bit about the tackles. Um, you know, what are your kind of feelings on that? Am I, I know they brought in a transfer there, I believe, are, Am I kind of wrong to worry about this? Is there, is it going to be a solid part of their line or what? No, I think you're spot on about that. I totally agree with you on that. Um, you look at the middle, you've got your two seniors, your two returners, uh, all, your all ACC guys. You've got Jimmy Morrissey, the four-year starter, two-time captain at center. Uh, he's going to get drafted uh, in the 2021 draft. He's just a quality piece. Everyone knows who Jimmy Morrissey is, one of the best centers in, the, in uh, all of college football. Uh, to his left, you got Bryce Hargrove, been solid, uh, very good in the very good in the running in the passing game, excuse me. Uh, but I, I agree with you, Daniel, in that uh, on the bookends of the, at that line at those tackle spots, uh, you have a lot of question marks at left tackle. Uh, Carter Warren was a starter last year, um, had a solid first few games, but towards the end of that season. He really struggled at that left tackle spot. Uh, he was probably one of the liabilities at that offensive line. Um, he's only redshirt junior this year, but in his second year at left tackle, he should take a step forward. But he 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 needs to take a big step forward to be a quali to be uh, one of the top tier left tackles uh, in the ACC. And that that left tackle, I agree, is an area of concern. Um, Warren, yeah, he was he was a liability last year, and he needs to take a step forward to really sure down that uh, left tackle spot. And moving to the other side of the line, 
you lose grad transfer Nolan Lizio, who really last year didn't do much, was it wasn't very good at that right tackle spot. Um, and you've got you've got a lot of guys who could potentially slide in that spot, whether it be uh, uh, Gabe Hoy, who started at right guard last year, the staff really sees as a potential tackle. Uh, Carson Van Lynn, who's moved around from tight end to offensive tackle, he's been used a lot in uh, those jumbo sets where you see six offensive linemen. And like you said, Daniel, you've got your grad transfer from Hampton University, Keldrick Wilson. Uh, Wilson's a big guy, 6'6", 340. Uh, he has experience, although it was not at a very high level. Experience is always something you look for. Um, and those three guys w will really be competing for that right tackle spot. And whoever can separate themselves among that group uh, should, should be a solid right tackle for Pitt this year. And I'm looking forward to how that position battle ends up shaping out. I believe at this point, Wilson has the upper hand uh, over those two just due to experience, but I believe any, any of those three could uh, take the job come September. Yep, completely agree. And, you know, one thing that Narduzzi has addressed very well in the recruiting class was the tackle position. But um, looking at the defensive side of the ball, this is where all the hype is. This is what is going to win pit games, um, starting with a defensive line. They are loaded. This is a top group in the country. You know, of course, there's Patrick Jones and Jalen Twyman, the ones that everyone knows about. They're the elite draft prospects. But everybody seems to forget about Rashad Weaver. Of course, he had that monster 2018 season, and, you know, he was primed for perhaps defensive player of the year in the ACC in 2019. But, of course, he got hurt before the season started, before that week one Virginia game. And, you know, I guess people seem to take him off their radar with all the fantastic edge rushers that this conference has. Um, moving back, we got the linebackers. I want to call them quote unquote, the worst part of their defense, but still very solid. Um, at the, uh, on the outside, you got Cam Bright and Phil Campbell and Narduzzi is pretty high on Chase Pine as well. The middle linebacker who will be filling in a role, not the most experienced guy. And then, the defensive backfield is – that's another stacked group. Um, with the safety position, Paris Ford and DeMar Hamlin, they are a top duo in the country. But Damari Mathis is fantastic as well. And then you got Jason Pinnock, who is not exactly a bad second corner as well. So, um, Jordan, kind of tell me your thoughts. Do you think this linebacker will really be any sort of liability on this defense? And do you think that it will really – um, be, you know, the best defense in the conference like I make it out to be, like a lot of people make it out to be? Um, I think when you look at this pit defense, one thing, one thing that really stands out to me is how much that defensive line elevates uh, the rest of the defense because of their ability to get to the quarterback. Um, and also when you look at Pitt's linebackers, they're also elevated by the guys behind them, uh, their DBs, uh, DeMar Hamlin and Paris Ford, like you mentioned, uh, one of the best duos in the country at that safety spot. And your corners, uh, Damari Mathis and Jason Pinnock, two very solid corners. Um, and I think when you look at that linebacker spot, you've got two guys on the outside with uh, very good speed in uh, Bill Campbell and uh, Cam Bright. A bit undersized, but guys with good speed who can also defend the pass well. Um, and then in the middle, Chase Pine is very likely to slide in that spot. He has never been an official starter, but he's played a ton at that middle middle linebacker spot and that money linebacker spot. 
he's not he's not the most athletic guy, but a very good size, very smart player, and he should be he should be just fine at that middle linebacker spot. He's surrounded by a ton of talent, whether it be that D line, his outside linebackers, or that defensive backfield. And I think as much as people say the linebackers are the weak point in this defense, they're just elevated so much by the talent around them that I think they'll be just fine in this pit defense. Yep. Completely agree. Um, pit defense will be outstanding this year. It'll definitely be something to watch. Uh, we look now at the recruiting class, you know, a pretty solid class, 44th overall. That's good for eighth in the ACC. Nothing at all to write home about, but they do get some talent in there. Um, no five stars, but a couple of four stars on the offensive side of the ball, or I'm sorry, one on the offensive side of the ball and one on the defensive side of the ball. Um, starting with Jordan Addison, the wide receiver who played everywhere in college, but, you know, officially listed as an athlete. I imagine he play, he'll play a wide receiver in college. You know, I saw a player comp to Emmanuel Sanders on him. Uh, that's kind of perfect in my opinion, you know, that big yak kind of receiver. Um, another guy that stood out to me was Dayon Hayes, who was a four-star as well and a very good pass rusher. And, you know, Pitt fans really like him. You know, he got those offers from all those powerhouse schools but decided to stay home in his home city of Pittsburgh. And, of course, we talked about Israel Abanacanda, the three-star track runner at running back, who is also extremely hard to bring down. And you talked about how he'll might, he might see time on that offense, but also both Abanacanda and Addison are fantastic returners. So um, Jordan kind of fill me in on the recruiting, you know, what am I missing? Who else uh, did I not mention that is going to kind of make an early impact or maybe a bigger impact down the road? Um, yeah, I, th I think you hit that very well, but I think when you look at this Pitt 2020 class, the name of the game is speed. Uh, when you just look all over the board, Narduzzi's recruiting guys who are fast, and whether it's on defense, fly around the field, or on offense, uh, make that big home run play. And that starts with the two guys you mentioned on the offensive side of the ball, uh, Jordan Addison and Izzy Abanacanda. Uh, we broke down Abanacanda already. Very good speed, a track runner, one of the fastest guys on the team. Um, in addition to being a very solid pass catcher, he should also see some time in the return game um, in a testament to his elite speed. And then Addison, like you said, um, you, you've seen comparisons to Emmanuel Sanders. I think that's a great comparison. Uh, Addison is also one of the fastest guys on the team. Uh, he should also see some time in the return game. Um, he's a guy who could fit into that shocky Jock Louis role in a few years once uh, he moves on with that Maurice French Quadri Henderson role where we see him in the return game, those jet sweeps, short passing game, whether it be screens, um, screens, uh, slants. And I think th those two guys, just the main two guys on offense uh, in this recruiting class, just very, uh, just two guys who are home run hitters can make the big play with their speed and I think that's one thing Pat Narduzzi really looked for this year was speed and he got that in uh, Addison and Abanacanda two guys just great playmakers with the ball in their hands and you move to the defensive side of the ball you mentioned Dayon Hayes uh, Hayes is a guy I really like he's a bit undersized at this point he should benefit with time in the weight room with uh, strength coach Mike Stacchiotti uh, but Hayes is a guy who's extremely quick off that edge, just super, super quick. Um, could he could anyone could always work on refining those pass rushing moves, that hand technique. Uh, Hayes could work on refining that, but 
not too much of an area for concern. I would say he could receive some time right away, but with the talent at defense Ben for Pitt, I think he'll end up redshirting, but he's a guy who in 2021 will be a very solid contributor at defensive end. And I think just looking at the rest of that defensive class, just some other guys who I like, Solomon the Shields, like I said, the name of the game for this 2020 class was Speed. Uh, the Shields is another guy who's very fast at that linebacker spot. He should fill in very well that star, that star linebacker spot uh, with his speed. He can run, he goes sideline to sideline on that defense. Um, just a guy who could fly around that football field with the speed. And just one more guy in that back end. Uh, Pitt was looking for corners in this class, and I think they got a very good one in a Rashad battle. A battle from from Georgia, an area Pitt has been recruiting heavily recently. A big corner, uh, very long, good technique. A guy who uh, down the road wants Pinnock and uh, Mathis graduate, who could be uh, a contender start at that cornerback spot in 2021 and just overall there's some other guys who, are, who, who I didn't mention but overall very solid class for Pat Narduzzi uh, addressed a lot of the needs specifically at those skill position spots and this class down the road should be uh, uh, is a very significant step in re rebuilding that talent in the pit program once you see uh, you see most of the talent this year graduating and this class is key to replenishing that talent. Yeah I was actually just about to say that a lot of their Star players this year are seniors, so we only have our Pit Preview 2021 podcast that will be – a lot of these guys will be um, what we'll be talking about when we're breaking down the personnel. But let's talk schedule. I'll uh, we'll start with the out-of-conference schedule, those four games, which hopefully will stay. Um, they're all relatively uh, within the eastern part of the country at least, so maybe – at least with no travel restrictions, they might be able to get all those in. Um, you got starting with Miami, Ohio, then Marshall, um, and then Richmond and Notre Dame. Those are their four games. Um, I see three and one, to be honest. Uh, Miami, Ohio, Marshall, and Richmond, I don't think that they will have any problems with. I'll just give you a very, very small amount of background on each of those teams. Miami, Ohio, a high-end MAC team with Blaine Gabbert's brother as their quarterback, but at the end of the day, they're just a seven-to-eight win team in perhaps the worst conference in college football. So I think Pitt should take care of business there, and that's kind of the same situation as Marshall. Not a high-level group of five team that will really pose a threat to a power five team like Pitt with a lot of expectations. And then Richmond, you know, not a powerhouse FCS school. They did beat Virginia four to five years ago, I believe, in that first game of the Bronco Mendenhall era, but I don't see them really posing a threat to Pitt. But I think the game we really need to talk about is Notre Dame. You know, I really wanted to pull the trigger with this one. It would be very Pitt-like to win a game like this. They love to have those upsets. They've had a ton of those in the past 10, 15 years. But, you know, I, I looked at it more – in depth, I looked at the matchup of it, and Notre Dame has the best offensive line in the country, in my opinion. So they might be that one team that holds off that pass rush. Um, and their defense – oh, I'm sorry, they also return Ian Book. And, yeah, their defense will be very hard to score on, too. They have Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa, who is one of the best linebackers in the country. So, um, yeah, Jordan, are you feeling the same way? Did you go 4-0? Did you – 
pull that trigger on the Notre Dame upset, or are you kind of with me on that one? Um, I'm, to be honest, I'm kind of – I know the Pitt faithful might get mad at me for this one, but I'm with you on this one. I think you look at those first three games, Miami, Ohio at Marshall and Richmond at home, three games. Pitt, Pitt won't lose any of those games. Pitt shouldn't lose any of those games. Uh, those are games Pitt will win. But when you look at that Notre Dame game, as much as Pitt has played so well against Notre Dame in a past series, uh, most recently the 2018 game, Pitt almost went into Notre Dame Stadium and pulled off the upset over Notre Dame. Uh, that would have ended up knocking them out of the college football playoff. You look at other years, uh, 2012, 2013, where Pitt was close to or beat Notre Dame um, in upset victories. But when I but I agree with you, Dan. I think when you just look at them in more depth at the matchup, this is not a matchup that favors Pitt. Uh, you've got strength against strength. Pitt's defensive line, Pitt's stack defensive line, with the returners Patrick Jones and Jalen Twyman, joined by Rashad Weaver and Keyshawn Camp, two guys who were injured last year and will be returning this year. Uh, I just think that Notre Dame offensive line is always so good. It's always the strength of that football team, and they are once again this year a strength of Notre Dame. Now, I just think that Notre Dame defensive line, while Pitt's defensive line is so talented and so deep, that Notre Dame offensive line is just too much for that Pitt defensive line to handle. And I think while it will be a close game, um, whatever happens with fans, no fans could affect this, uh, I think Notre Dame will end up coming out with the victory. Yeah, so I guess we're on the same page there. Um, we both got three and one at a conference. Um, I've got a total record of nine and three. I got, so do the math at six and two in conference. I guess the best way to do this, we'll talk about the losses first and then we'll kind of break down if we need to talk about any of the wins that we have. Um, my two losses are North Carolina and Virginia. Um, so North Carolina, like I explained in the UNC podcast, I think the Tar Heels are, a, you know, very high caliber team, the second best team in the ACC. And I think that they have the potential to score in bunches and not sure Pitt really has that explosivity to, you know, to keep up. So that's why I have North Carolina and then Virginia. Um, I don't see Virginia as quite the caliber of the team as Pitt. I believe I have them two fewer wins. I believe I have Virginia at seven and five, but um I like the matchup for the Who's here. It might be one of those 14 to 12 type games, but I gave UVA the edge because they have all the things, you know, they have all the versatility on that defensive side of the ball to make, you know, make life difficult for Kenny Pickett. And they also have a really dynamic offense. You know, if we get into these gritty, you know, these low scoring defensive games, they have that creativity on offense to score some points but what do you have uh as their conference record and what are your losses Dan, we we agreed in the non-conference slate three and one but i'm gonna have to disagree with you um in the conference uh schedule for pit i actually got pit at seven and one in conference um I agree with you about the loss to North Carolina. I think Pitt beats Virginia and Charlottesville, but I, I, I don't think Pitt can go into Chapel Hill and uh, defeat the North Carolina Tar Heels. Uh, I agree with you on that. Uh, like you said, North Carolina, the most explosive offense in the ACC, in my opinion, and that starts with Sam Howell at the quarterback position. Howell was a guy, true freshman last year, was one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. Um, and, and in year two under Mac Brown should take a huge step forward. How is a guy 
I actually like Cavill as a Heisman Dark Horse contender. And I think he could contend for that award uh, come, uh, come winter. And I think uh, North Carolina, just like you said, that offense is just too much for that pit defense to handle. You're so explosive. You can score so fast. With Sam Howell and the likes of Daz Newsome and those other receivers on the outside, uh, as good as Pitt's defense is at getting to the quarterback and with those two guys in the backfield up, Harris Ford and DeMar Hamlin, I just think Pitt cannot match North Carolina's explosiveness, um, especially with North Carolina's explosive offense. And I think North Carolina, losing to North Carolina is nothing to be ashamed of. I think North Carolina uh, will will definitely make that ACC championship game and could, could potentially make give Clemson a run for their money in that ACC championship game. And I just think North Carolina is a very good football team. And I think, uh, I, I don't think Pitt can match their explosiveness. And I think uh, North Carolina will come up with a W in, in that one. Yeah, so it looks like we're in the same page on the North Carolina um, game. And you said that you do have North Carolina winning the Coastal, which would make things interesting with two seven-win teams. That would be great, or even, you know, 8-0. But, of course, if, if North Carolina does win seven games in your scenario, they would have the matchup head-to-head, so that could happen. Um, but what are your feelings on the Virginia game? Where That's really our only disagreement on the entire schedule. What am I missing? Um, do you think that Pitt will score more points than than I think? Do you think that, you know, the um, the Virginia offense will just not be able to get anything going? What What are your kind of difference in opinion on this game? I mean, look, I, I, I understand how you can pick that Virginia game as a loss, that you're coming off three tough games. Uh, that's tough three-game stretch starting with at Florida State then Virginia Tech, then at North Carolina, the game we just talked about, and then got the Virginia game following those three games. Uh, I can see why you might think of it as a little bit of a trap game for Pitt coming off that UNC game. But overall, I just think Pitt's, Pitt is just too talented, especially with their defense, uh, that defensive front, just too talented to lose to Virginia. Uh, I think just that defense, that defense is so good that they can keep them in every game. And even if the offense isn't clicking, I think uh, – that defense will keep him in it, and if he needs to, Kenny Pickett, although he does have his uh, shortcomings, although he has his weaknesses, I think the defense keeps him in that game. Uh, he can he can win at the end for Pitt because one thing he has shown in his career at Pitt is his ability to make that game-winning drive, and I, I just believe that defense is too good not to keep him in it, and just Kenny Pickett at the end, I, I think he'll prevail against Virginia. All right, that's completely fair. Um, also – if we both have um, wins over North Carolina, we disagree in Virginia. If that's our only um, disagreement, that means we also both have a win over Virginia Tech. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. I think it's a tough matchup. Um, you know, kind of the home team dominates, I believe, in the last 10 years. You can kind of correct me on that. But, you know, I went with the home team and Pitt in this one, um, you know, Pitt had a rough outing the last time, but, you know, I look at the matchup and um, Virginia Tech is, you know, built around their skill positions and not necessarily their offensive line, although their offensive line is not atrocious. But that could, you know, just a mediocre offensive line could allow Pitt to wreak havoc and, you know, really take over the game on defense. And, you know, you I feel like the argument that people could bring up is, you know, UNC built the same way with around their skill positions and, 
you know, a solid offensive line, but not elite. But I just think the UNC offense is overwhelmingly better than Virginia Tech. So that's my feeling on why Pitt will beat Virginia Tech. Um, are you kind of on the same page as I am? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on the same page with that one. Uh, you you are right. The home team has dominated that matchup in uh, recent years. Uh, most most recently, Pitt uh, lost in uh, Blacksburg last year. But I think that's a game that uh, Pitt will win. Uh, Virginia Tech coming at the Heinz Field on a Friday night. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I personally think Virginia Tech is a bit overrated. I think they're, they're overhyped uh, every single year. And I think um, this year is no different than other years. Um, like you said, as much as Virginia Tech is built around that those skill positions, you've got Herndon Hooker returning at quarterback. I think I just think that Pitt that Pitt defensive line will be too much for that um, that uh, Virginia Tech offensive line. And like we saw in some games last year, where skilled players were 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 playing well. For example, that Syracuse game where Pitt had nine sacks. Um, I just think Pitt's defensive line is so good, especially with their depth, that they can just take over a game, wreck havoc on Herndon Hooker, and just be in that defense, be in that offensive backfield every single time, like they were in that Syracuse game last year. So I just think, even with all the talent returning at those skill positions for Virginia Tech, I think that uh, Pitt defensive line will be too much for the Hokies to handle in that one. Yep. So, you know, you say Virginia Tech is a little overrated. I actually have them both. Virginia Tech and Pitt at nine and three and six and two in the conference. I um I do have Pitt winning the head-to-head matchup, which will put them as second place in the division. But that's that's I you bring up good points. Um, you know I'll kind of break this into two more groups. The schedule. Um, talk about those games against the Florida teams, Miami and Florida State. We both have wins in both of those matchups. Um, for me, Miami just they have an atrocious offensive line, and I think, you know, the Panthers, you know, the, Miami has that pass rush, but, you know, the quick passing game, you know, the, the draw plays, the screens kind of get the ball out of Kenny Pickett's hands quickly will fare well for the Panthers and allow them to get stuff going on offense. And for Florida State, um, I just think that's another strength on strength, the kind of the same reason that, that – Pitt will lose that Notre Dame game. I think that they will win that Florida State game. You know, with the Florida State has that really good interior defensive line, of course, Marvin Wilson, Corey Durden, but Pitt has that offensive interior that could kind of coincide that and kind of counteract it. So um, I don't think um, on the offensive side of the ball, the Knowles will be able to score much either. So that, those are my feelings on the two games the two games against the Florida teams, um, you kind of feeling any differently on that? No, I feel, I feel the same way with you on that. Uh, those teams are built, um, the Miami and Florida State, just like Pitt, built around their defensive line. Um, but I think – I just think that Pitt, those, that Pitt offense is a bit better than that Miami offense and that, uh, that Florida State uh, offense. But another thing that really sets – my opinion, that sets Pitt's defensive line apart from the likes of Miami and Florida State – while teams like Miami and Florida State might have a more talented starting unit, what sets Pitt apart is their depth. Uh, the, the depth on the Pitt defensive line is unlike anything I've ever seen from a team not named uh, Alabama or Georgia or LSU or Ohio State. I, it's, it's like they have a bunch of five stars in that, on that defensive line on that second unit, which they don't. 
But behind that first unit of a Jones, a Weaver, Camp, and Twyman, I mean, you've got an incredible second unit of starting with Deslin Alexander, who was the starter at defensive end last year in replacement of Rashad Weaver. Uh, alongside him, you've got Habakkuk Baldonado, a Hobie Redshirt sophomore this year, and also John Morgan, very fast off that edge, who'll also be a Redshirt sophomore this year. And you go inside, you've got three other guys who have a lot of experience. While they weren't starters, they have so much experience um, inside on that defense with Devin Danielson, David Green, and Tyler Bentley. So I, I just think when you have a defensive line that deep, as opposed to teams like Miami or Florida State, who might have a big drop off after their after their top four guys, I just think when you have a D line that deep, they can just take over games, and I think that's what set will set Pitt apart in those games. Um, going down, at least going down to I believe they play Florida State and Miami on the road. So going to that down to that Florida Heat, I just believe that depth on that Pitt defensive line will set them apart in both those games. Yeah, that's a very good point you bring up. Um, everybody. You know, when they're looking at defensive lines, they look at the star edge rushers that are happening in the – that they have in the ACC. But, you know, Pitt has that depth, you know, that ability to plug in, you know, a fresh body on every single down, which is very important. Um, before we conclude, let's just see if we have anything, you know, to say about the – Final three games, or not the final three games chronologically, but, you know, kind of how he grouped it, Georgia Tech, Duke, and Syracuse. In my opinion, Pitt's just a much better team than all those teams, but is there anything about those games that make you scratch your head in any way? Um, no, not really. Those are, those are three teams Pitt historically has played very well against under Pat Narduzzi. Um, teams that Pitt is more talented uh, um, than. They're just more talented than those teams, and those are all three teams that Pitt – um, I believe they're at home for all three of those games, and they're just teams that Pitt just should single-handedly beat. And while the, one of those games might end up being close, uh, you never know with the Panthers, Pitt should win all three of those games. Yep, that's fair. But obviously you never know because, you know, Pitt is always – we can be completely wrong, you know. knowing Pitt. The, Yeah, knowing the trends of Pitt in the past, they're going to beat Notre Dame and then drop a game to one of those teams. But – um. Before we go, let's just, you know, give a little bit of a concluding words about this team. I think that, you know, we've kind of gone over it, how their defense is just fantastic and will kind of carry them to a 9-3 and three record. I think they are – you have 10-2. and two. I think that – so in both of our cases, they are very much a contender for the Coastal, um, you know – Let's just say they do end up playing Clemson. Um, you know, do you think that there's any chance that um, there's any sort of an upset possible? Um, I think Clemson, even without um, Justin Ross, is just insanely talented. And, um, you know, of course, with Trevor Lawrence, that's going to be impossible to stop. And they're stacked on both sides of the ball everywhere, as always, especially on their – offensive line and their offense in general but um yeah what what do you think do you see another blowout if Pitt you know kind of does end up winning the Coastal and they do end up playing Clemson as we assume in the ACC championship um unfortunately as much as I think Pitt does match up well with Clemson uh Pitt's stack defensive line and their defensive backfield um one thing I've seen is uh, teams, you can't make the same mistake twice. Clemson lost to Pitt on a, in a historic upset 
in 2016. Pitt going to Death Valley, beating Clemson with a historic off the tack, uh, led by Nate Peterman, James Conner, and that Pitt offense. Uh, but unfortunately, I think Clemson knows what can happen. They've been upset by Pitt in the past. Uh, Pat Narduzzi went into Death Valley, won that game. I just don't think um, Dabo Sweeney will let Clemson make will let his Clemson Tigers make that same mistake twice of getting upset by Pitt. And I think he'll have his guys ready to go out there and compete and not take this Pitt team lightly like they may have done in 2016. Yeah, no, completely agree there. Um, do you have any closing words before we go off either about Pitt or about anything you'd like to tell, you know, the ACC audience? Um, I, think, I just think overall, looking at that Pitt team, uh, you know what that defense is going to be. But I just think uh, the question mark when you look at this team is the offense. And I think uh, how far can Kenny Pickett take this team is where they will end up at the end of the season. I think that's the key is your offense. Can they make enough plays to, to win the game? Because the defense is so elite, they'll keep them in every game. But can Kenny Pickett in the offense make enough plays to win the game? Yeah. Yeah. Um... You know, we could keep breaking it down, but that's really it. We'll just have to wait and see and um, see how Kenny Pickett finally is in year four. Um, so, everyone, you know, stay safe. Thank you for listening. And remember that it just means less in the ACC.